Hello, it is the Stranger Nerds back with us. We have myself, Connor Vandermark, we have Tommy Grant, and then we have a special guest today. We have Zach Worley, who's also a South Brunswick resident or our hometown. Um, he went to film school in California, and welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, guys. Cool to be here. We're, fi we're finally expanding well, you were our, our first uh, guest, so opportunity. you were definitely have. <laughs> Yeah, the special honor of being the our reach very first of the Jersey guest. Nerds here. Do I get a T-shirt? <laughs> uh, we, we should make. <laughs> I was the first here. I'm down with I, that. We we might have well, to if we ever fun. make one of these days. We'll, we'll get there. One. <laughs> so yeah, so tell us a quick you know blur um, about yourself, yeah. Zach, and what got you into Stranger Things. You know, have you seen it before? How many times you've seen it? What you love about TV and movies? Well, kind of a long story, but I've always liked movies. And then when I finished high school, I actually went to film school. I briefly worked in the industry in Northern California and then Southern California. And then, unfortunately, 2020 happened. But So kind of that took a backseat. But still have the same love for movies I always had. And Stranger Things, actually, believe it or not, you guys are going to think this is sacrilege. But I didn't like the first season when it came out. I thought it was really slow. But I gave it a second chance, and I'm hooked. And then going back and revisiting these episodes, I mean, just amazing how, like, looking at last season, how much the kids have grown. It's like, they're even the same people? Like, wow. Yeah, it's – I wouldn't say it's sacrilege. I mean, uh, Mitchell and I have seen this show multiple times, and Connor and Nick have not seen it before, so this is their first time going through it. But oh, wow. we've always we've always seen season two as the weak spot, so this is kind of like the – the season where we thought was probably the worst. Granted, this episode is definitely where things are picking up. Mm -hmm. So just so you know, Zach, don't do any spoilers for season three or four going forward. Just stick with this episode. <laughs> we don't want anything spoiled right. for Connor, Nick. <laughs> don't worry. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. As our first guest, we just got to make uh, sure. I appreciate that it. Uh, I've been enjoying no spoilers. <laughs> well, yeah, funny story. Is it okay if I spoil so far, another so... movie? Yeah. So which movie? Uh, one, uh, Last Jedi. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead. So we go to the opening night. We're excited. Obviously, the movie was not what we expected it to be. So we're walking out kind of just like, what happened? And there's a queue lined up for like the next showing, and my friend is furious. He's like, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that. And we're like, Justin, there's a whole line of people waiting to go in there. And he spoiled the entire movie for them. We're like, oh, my God. Let's get away before we get roped in with him. <laughs> so, oh so the moral of this story is don't be a Justin. Yes. <laughs> Keep your thoughts to yourself until, like, when you're not standing next to people waiting to see it. But now, so you said you gave it a second chance and you enjoyed it. Did I'm assuming you've watched the show all the way through. Oh yeah, last season was phenomenal. Okay, I can't wait for the next season. I, me and Mitchell have been just like it's, it's fun for us watching Connor and Nick kind of see it for the first time. But it's like mm -hmm. we're at the lull part of the show. We're just like it gets so much better. We can't fucking wait. Like season yeah. four is just insane, and I'm <sighs> I'm excited for when we finish season four and we can start talking theories for season five because. I have a lot of thoughts, but that's a little bit down the road. So if you're willing to come back, 
We'll oh, be happy to have you back. Season four was amazing. <laughs> but we, so supposedly uh, uh, Eddie Munson's actor is going to be playing uh, Human Torch, which I'm okay with. I I will definitely be happy if that happens. And uh, I know Mitchell's not here, but Mitchell is starting a movie podcast starting next week, so we'll plug that oh, in later. Cool. But I'm sure we will get into some nerdy movies like Marvel and Star Wars, and I'm sure that would definitely be your uh, your area that you would love to hop in. <laughs> definitely, uh, oh yeah, future episodes with that too. I'm but, a huge Star Wars nerd. I'm the type of person you can ask me a question and I can talk to you for ten minutes about it. <laughs> well, Mitchell will love you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone to nerd out with. Cool. Oh yeah, I'll, dude, we got it. Mitchell can nerd out all day about that. But awesome. With that being said, let's let's dive into this episode because it is a beefy one for sure, especially for this season. Because it's it's been a slow, rocky Jam ride this season. Yes, it, it's been a slow, rocky ride and a buildup. And this episode definitely just it cracks everything open. But it starts one off. I, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say one thing I loved about this is how well the tone was. You'd have like the super dark stuff with like the demodog, and then also you would have like the lighthearted stuff, like Steve and Dustin like walking the tracks. How do you know it wasn't a lizard? Well, its face <laughs> opened up and it ate my cat. So, like, I really loved how it wasn't just, like, you know, dark and gloomy. You had that breakup a little bit. Yep. And, and we kind of talked about this last episode, but the we were talking about the directive staff for Stranger Things and how Andrew Stanton, who is a big Pixar director, yeah. was involved Monster with this Things. episode and last episode. And that's where we definitely see a very well-balanced episode, which I think is what made the season – get better because without Andrew Stanton's episodes, I think this season really would have been the true weak spot of the show, but he, uh, he definitely does a great job of blending new characters together, new character relationships like Dustin and Steve. And, you know, not any spoiler, but they definitely become a new kind of power duo. The two of them yes. which is you definitely see the start of it in this episode, but Dustin and Steve combo is definitely a fun one. And, like, the character development, like, you have Max and Lucas, and then you have uh, Steve and Nancy with Murray. So you got, like, these, like, yeah. you start to see these relationships start to form. Now, now, are you a Always Sunny fan? Yes. So we, <laughs> me and Connor were joking about how he was very similar to Charlie Day with the conspiracy theory, and Murray's just a fun character to throw in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's definitely that fresh, uh, you know, Fresh breath of air that this show needed was definitely a character like Murray. Oh yeah, and not going to spoil anything, but his his role in season four was so perfect. Yes, and, and that's another reason I'm excited for them to get to season four because he he definitely has a very comical role. Yes, the thing so, I loved it like season four. I'm not going to spoil anything. Is we had to wait what like three years for it, and yes. for me it did not disappoint at all. No. And they, they even tease you with, you know, they divided up the season into two parts, but it, it's funny enough that you say it because Connor has seen little bits and pieces of season four, which it, it kills me. He's one yes. of those so, weirdos that starts to show um, at the very end. <laughs> it was it was more so a like a situation by happenstance of like, oh, I was hanging out with someone's like, oh, I have it on. I'm like, all right. And I happens to like, oh, this actually is 
pretty good. Uh, okay, so I, I, I saw like, I think I saw two of the episodes in season four. And I was like, all right, this has to be on my list of things to watch. And then, no, like, I think not even like six six months, maybe a year later, Tommy's like, hey, I'm going to do this podcast. Like, all right, this is actually give me a reason to watch Stranger Things. I'm in. I was already so far behind the eight ball. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then actually, we'll get to this. So I have seen a scene from this episode. And that was when it was released in season, uh, when season two was released. My parents were watching it, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then yeah. I never, never really actually sat down and binged it. So now, now what I'll, scene I'll, I'll was that? that. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's dive into this bad boy. That, that was then, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that a little later. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's dive in. Because um, <laughs> we could just talk all day about how much we love the show. Yeah. But, so so we open up with mm-hmm. uh, pretty much a continuation from last episode where Will, I think Will does a little bit of better acting in this episode in terms of his seizures that he's been having, which Zach, we were making fun of Noah Schnapp as an actor. I don't know what your opinion is on that matter, but Mitchell, Mitchell and I believe he's definitely the weak link of the children actors of this show so i think yes and also too like i felt like there was a period of time that he kind of was just even like after he was already bought back from the upside down that they kind of just like stuck him in the corner yeah and and as connor referred to him as the flopping fish in the last episode with how he was ha- you know showing a seizure just it, it just wasn't good he was not yeah. not in his prime of uh things he fish had of water I think Winona saved that. Winona Ryder's performance really saved that. Yeah. Like, she was so, like, into it, into the moment. Like, I think if it wasn't, she wasn't really, like, kind of phoning it in, it it wouldn't have sold. Yeah. And so we have this scene where Will is just doing just straight convulsions, screaming, and everyone's holding him down. And that's, I think he did a much better job in this episode. I don't know what it was, but he, he definitely gave a much better performance with this episode with how he was acting. And they finally, they're just like, you know, he's basically saying he's pain is everywhere. He's screaming. They finally sedate him. And we see Hopper getting scrubbed down because he just got pulled out of the upside down where he's covered in all kinds of shit. <laughs> and then we get a little bit of Dustin explaining the situation about dart to steve who keeps asking like are you sure it's just not a lizard like is this the prank and we get another instance of steve taking out his infamous baseball bat which definitely comes back in future seasons very similar to the the negan baseball bat of walking dead if you've ever seen that do you know if that was like an homage to that or if it was just coincidence i i don't know i I feel like it would be an homage, but they're two very different types of characters. Negan yeah. is very violent, and Steve is just – that's just what he kind of came upon. Yeah, he's trying to defend himself. <laughs> yeah. But I, I definitely think Negan's is cooler, but we'll give Steve credit because he's only a high school kid and not in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> so he's we, trying to Steve, find his way through life. Exactly. Through life and through love. With a baseball and, bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we and so we see Steve go down into the basement and investigate, and we see the molted skin of Dart. And he shows it to Dustin, and Dustin realizes it's grown again. And we see a giant ass tunnel underneath 
Dustin's house, and we've credit on Dart. He's a, definitely a good tunneler and got the hell out of there. And I really love the camera movement. Like it shows them almost like it reminded me of Shawshank when the, at the end of the movie, when you see the tunnel in the wall, the camera yeah. just pulls back and like goes through the tunnel. I really like that. Yeah, they, they definitely had some good shots in this episode with with uh, Dustin and Steve. And so we hit the credits and we move into one of my favorite scenes of this episode with uh, Nancy and Jonathan kind of having the little celebration with uh, Murray. And it Murray just cracks me up with how easily he can just read people. And so they, you know, they send the tapes off and he's basically asked like, all right, like, you know, you should save the night. And, you know, Nancy and Jonathan are both playing, you know, coy and shy and saying, ah, we, we should probably get going. And he's like, ah, just share the bed. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. And he's like, what is this, a lover's quarrel? Like, you told me all this crazy shit today. And this is the first lie you've told me. And it's just another kind of inside joke for the podcast because I've, I've been trying to get Connor and Nick to take sides of Team Steve or Team Jonathan because, you know, every every show or movie has a good love tri- love triangle. And they're all collectively Team Anti-Nancy with how she plays Steve and Jonathan. Oh, there, there's a point in the show where you're like, I hate this girl. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're I'm there right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're kind of in that collective because I was trying to get them to pick sides because Mitchell is very pro Steve and I was jokingly pushing Jonathan just to try and divide them to see if they would take sides before seeing what takes place over the future seasons. But yeah, we, we've collectively agreed. It's just team anti Nancy. But um, yeah, uh, that was, yeah. that was my first answer <laughs> because I was like, I feel bad for both these guys because they're getting either played or overall just like, I don't know, just like this, this toured with their emotions, I guess is the best way to put it for my, my, uh, especially like it's definitely season two. It's definitely even more so at least in the beginning of the season where you kind of had like the, the, um, the fracture between Nancy and Steve. And then the whole thing with last scene is like, Oh, I waited for you. And like, you're already dating Steve. Why are you waiting for Jonathan? Like, mm-hmm. that's just like, what are you doing to yourself? Oh, I, I, I did not like that. Like, one. I did not like thinking, her saying that. I was like, you know, why are you being like this? Why are you playing with people's emotions? You know, it's bad enough. You got to fight these demon things and you got to have teenage heartbreak on that. Like what is wrong with you, girl? <laughs> and, Mur- and Murray calls it out. Just like we mentioned, it, it's shared trauma and he, reads it like a book and then he instantly starts going into how there's another lover and he's like who is it who is it and he looks at jonathan john's like steve and Murray's like steve we like steve but we don't love steve Steve. and nancy's just trying to fight him there's line number two it's that whole that whole conversation interaction just it it makes me laugh every time i watch it yeah this is the first time i've watched this like in a couple years the season so i was like oh yeah billy's in this season Baker Montgomery was so good. It's like you go from just hating him to eventually softening up to him. But so good. We we haven't even talked much about Billy's character because up until this point, you don't get much of his character other than just him cursing out Max every time he picks her up or drops her off. And he does have a very interesting character arc going forward, but we don't see him much yet. But 
Yeah, he, he, the actor himself, he's a great actor, but his character is just a pure dick. Oh, he is. <laughs> like, every time he's on screen, I'm like, I hate this guy. But he, that, it's, it's a sign of a good villain actor is if you can really make people hate you that well with, oh, with yeah. how little screen time he gets. Mm hmm. It's very easy. You just you just love to hate him. And like, but... it's not even like they went like, oh, like let's say he just made him like so over the top, like oh, this guy kicks puppies. He doesn't <laughs> hurt anybody. He's just a jerk. And like, for someone well, to just be like that irritating without doing something like terrible, it's like you got a good actor, you got a good writer there. I, I mean, to counter that, he did try to run the whole party over while they're riding their bikes at one time, and it That's didn't true. look like he that. was. It didn't look like he was gonna turn the wheel. So I, if Max didn't turn it, I feel like he probably would have hit them. I thought he was going to first time I saw that episode. I'm like, nah, man, these are kids. Don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah, he, he's just the pure definition of reckless <laughs> and just doesn't doesn't care. But uh, but so going back to Nancy and Jonathan, they they have that awkward. You know, Murray basically gets in their heads and. They both go their separate ways and you see them getting restless and they eventually hook up. And the next morning they're having breakfast and Murray with another great quote, because he told him to sleep on the pullout mattress goes, how was the pullout? And Jonathan just, just spits out his drink. It's another he classic just line. Yeah. And, and, and he, he drops his egg and he's smiling. Like he knew exactly what happened. He chose his words very carefully. <laughs> it was just, I just love his character so much. It's, it's perfect. But um, so it's you like can definitely tell Jonathan ball, and Nancy a just, ball of yarn, just like just yeah, and, and they're just so uncomfortable around him because they're just like they're <laughs> afraid to say anything. They're like they know he knows, but they're just too afraid to admit it. But, it's like it's such an awkward situation. He's just eating it all up. He's like, yeah. I'm gonna make this even worse, and I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna have this grin on my face the whole time. You're, you're in this complete stranger's home, basically having him convince you to hook up with some guy that you like and then he's asking you about it the next day it's it's you know looking back at the situation it's a very weird scenario for any teenage kid to be in yeah <laughs> and you kind of forget that when you're watching a tv show like you love his character but you're like this guy's a complete stranger they literally just met him the night before but yeah it's like oh oh and like on a TV show, all right, yeah, I get this. But like, if this was a real world situation that one of your friends told you about, you'd be like, "Who is this guy?" So I know not to go near him. Yeah. <laughs> but and then yeah, definitely he's uh, definitely he's very uh, nice um, to them. But then he's very quick to kick them out. He hands them a bottle of vodka and a bottle of water, and says, "Yeah, for your travels." And he's like, "If you need to reach me again, don't." And just slams the door on them. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, and that's the end of Murray. And he'll be very quickly missed. Definitely a stranger. Definitely like stranger danger vibes at Murray sometimes. <laughs> yes, and the fact that he lives in a sketchy little warehouse type house that he's got going on, little uh, right. little patriotic bunker he's got going on. Right. I'm pretty sure that there there was they taught something in Dare not to go near people like him. Yeah, but Dare <laughs> didn't really exist in the '80s. They they didn't know. Oh no! You could hitchhike back then. Yes. <laughs> you do that today. It's like, what are you crazy? I I saw. I was actually driving. Um, when I was driving to Jersey last month. I saw a couple people hitchhike, and like people still hitchhike. Like, okay, I didn't know that was still a thing. 
I don't know if you get any hitchhikers out on the West Coast, but I, saw, I, I was pretty sure it was a dead thing. I mean, I've seen them at the beach, and it's like pretty much what you think. Like, I am not picking you up. You, I don't know if you just got off a surfboard or broke out of prison. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picking you up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so we, we get Jonathan and Nancy arriving no at the buyer's house. What's up? Say no lie, they uh, I literally saw a hitchhiker not even a month ago, like in my really? area. It was definitely weird. I was like, especially like in like the woods, I'm like, this is just awkward. And then that's like yeah. that's a that's an axe murder right there. Yeah, that's even worse than picking someone up in like a, a city, like coming out of the woods. <laughs> what were you doing? See, I don't want to know. I'm just gonna keep driving. It's got some uh, wrong turn vibes written all over it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we have Nancy and Jonathan arrive at the buyer's house and Jonathan quickly just looks completely confused because when he left his house, there was not a thousand drawings all over the house. And you definitely he's just like, what the fuck is going on? But at the same time, it doesn't phase him because his house was literally a giant Christmas tree light last season. Yeah. So it's like, all right, it's just, you know, something new, something my my little brother's probably doing. And but then he catches one of the tapes on the ground. He realizes like this is not one of ours. So he's like, someone's definitely been here. And that kind of shifts us over a little bit to the Will Possession story arc where we have the Hawkins lab soldier agent guys going to the house and basically photographing all the pictures, which I don't even know back in those days how much footage that took up. Because we talked about this last episode, like that had to been like a thousand pieces of paper scattered throughout that house with drawings. So I don't even know how the hell they managed to get all that photograph oh, yeah. perfectly. But um, and they specifically take a picture of the shadow monster to bring back and show Will and Doctor Owens, and we see a little bit more of a good side to Doctor Owens because. Nick is very adamant that Dr. Owens is the bad guy of the season. So we haven't given any spoilers to him if he's good or bad, but we definitely start to see a nicer side to Dr. Owens and how he's defending Will because the other doctors are basically like, we can just let him die. Like, you know, no big deal. Yeah. What did they say? Either way, if we do nothing or we do something, he's going to be dead anyway. Yep. Because with how quickly yeah, the infection was, the, was taking uh, over his context. brain. Yeah, and they, we, have, we have two scenes with the doctors. One, the first was, one was, was the... with Joyce, where Joyce basically calls them out with how they didn't do anything. And the second scene, we get the doctors basically yeah. going through the images saying, this has progressed so quickly, he's going to be gone by the end of the day. And Dr. Owens is pretty much like and they they want to continue the burn and dr owens obviously doesn't want to do it because he knows if they do the burn it'll kill will and they that's when they kind of like well either way he's gonna be dead by the end of the day so we we see a more human side to dr the other thing too is like like the other thing with will's condition like i remember in the very early episode i wrote my note where will was burning up at 106 degrees fahrenheit like yeah that's insane that's like I, they're I, gonna like, be dead very soon. Yes, like I don't know what the yeah. actual temperature uh, is that where you die, but I feel like it's up there. Like I feel like it's one hundred eight or something like that, where you basically will 
burn. A yeah, lot there's no coming back. Yeah, but it, it's it's tough because yeah. they're kind of in a lose lose situation because they don't know of any solution because they're dealing with something not from this world, and it, it's almost similar to what we went through with you know the coronavirus where it's like yeah. so many people are dying and they're like there's no cure for this. It's like, it's nothing we've ever dealt with before, but this was just with a single case and it was isolated. So in their minds, it's like, well, we can let them die and problem solved. And yeah. then we burn everything down and no worries. But Dr. Owens is very adamant about wanting to save Will's life and hopefully not be fucked over. Like Dr. Brenner was where Dr. Brenner just said, just kill everybody who, who gives a crap or the government. But and I'm actually glad that they took um, a risk because, like, with Will's condition, like, if it had happened to Hopper, a, a grown adult, it wouldn't have been as impactful if it was yeah. like what it was with Will. Like, I mean, you're seeing a kid literally about to die as opposed mm-hmm. to a grown man. So I'm really happy they took that risk. Yep. Connor, were you gonna say something? Um. Yeah. So it just this this quote happened to pop in my mind. Are either one of you Star Trek fans? So so, a little bit. Not too too like, familiar with it. Because the one thing that came, because in the second movie, uh, the Wrath of Khan, like there's there's a quote in it where, um, it's like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or, or one, and then there's the flip side of it of like the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the the, the many. Um, and it's kind of like, that, that's kind of the dilemma they're going through is like, oh, no, is because the, the other doctor is like, oh, is his life really that valuable? And no, no, Dr. Owens is to his credit, no, going to bat for Will. And we had previously saying, like seeing with him, no, one thing that I was definitely saying about Dr. Owens, like, I think he very much is egotistical. No, he thinks that he is very much a stubborn man who thinks he usually is right. But now that he's actually seeing the extent of how things are going now, like, I I think he's definitely changing his tune of there's a lot more wrong here. And maybe he needs to make up for it because he's the one who can maybe even put Will in the situation in the first place because he didn't take him seriously. So it could be very, very much guilt on his mind when it comes to that. And, and he knows he's in way over his head because because um, we're skipping around a little bit with the scenes, but he has a moment with Hopper where he brings him down into this basically makeshift elevator shaft. And we get a view of what is now the gate, and it is fucking massive. Just like hundreds of feet tall, and he's like, this is what we're dealing with. And Hopper is pretty much in just shock of like, this is how bad it's gotten. And we see all these different tunnels and we kind of great scene. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure Zach has much more appreciation for that scene in terms of camera angles and stuff, but it was just a really cool scene of how they shot it. And you just see all these tunnel networks and we just like, all right, it's much worse than this little tiny opening we saw through all of season one. One thing I really liked, I told, uh, have you ever seen aliens? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember where they're uh, going after they're going into the aliens layer and you see the like the radar of all them and they're slowly just disappearing off the radar, getting picked off by aliens. I totally yep. got that vibe when they're in the 
guys are getting picked off by the demodogs. Yes. Yeah, later on yeah, later on in that episode when they just I can definitely see the alien scene. It and it's kind of a scene that happens in a lot of science fiction movies that always seem to rely on just this little tiny screen on a computer panel with just a bunch of dots and it's an yeah. easy way of not having to shoot all this action scenes. It's just it's an easy solution. All you gotta have is a little bit of sound of people screaming and some maybe like bloody slurshy noises and just dots disappearing. It's an easy yeah, way I mean, and probably a cheaper way of filming a whole action scene. I mean, look at them. It's completely foggy. All they had was flashlights. Just turn yep. your flashlight off and we'll add sound effects. Yep. But hey, it, it still has <laughs> the same effect. Like it, it still lets you know, like, this is some scary shit. Adds a little bit of a horror vibe to it. And probably a hell of a lot cheaper than filming a lot of, you know, CGI blood and gore. Yeah. I will say, though, the CGI and the practical effects meld so well in this show. I love it. Yep. They, like, they definitely they do a great blend of trying to do as much practical effects as possible. Because um, we even talked about going all the way back to season one where they have a scene with the van being flipped, where Eleven flips the van over them. Mm-hmm. That was all practical effects. That was... And, there was an incident with that scene where the van actually collided into the camera crew and broke some of the cameras and they didn't want to do the stunt again and switch the CGI. But the Duffer brothers were so insistent, like we want this to look real. So they did it again and it worked, but it's just like, they, they are very dedicated to making sure it looks actually realistic, which, you know, it goes back to the eighties where the eighties did rely on pure practical effects. Like, you know, especially movies like star Wars, that was, you know, revolutionary for that time oh yeah and then lucas came back with the prequels and everything was green screen <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's here we get a good balance of cgi and, and practical effects definitely more leaning towards practical effects when they can um, no i was very shocked like uh when they first introduced the actual demogorgon i didn't i thought it was cgi but that's actually a person in a suit yeah i think the only they do uh, i did some not know scenes that with CGI when they yeah, when it's a standalone demogorgon, they usually have it. It's a actual person in a you know good costume, but when they do the action sequences with the demogorgons, that's when they use CGI. From what I was told. Next, next time you guys see watch an episode and see a demogorgon, take a look at the person's hands because I saw there's a control like to open the like the face mount. Uh, you actually use your hands. There's like a thing, so like when it opens, you'll see them spread their hands. And they just like huh. you uh, CGI out in. Oh, okay. Interesting. That something we didn't know. We actually learned something tonight. Um, that's really so interesting. another. Let's check that out. Yeah, we definitely have to rewatch this now. But going back to Will, we have a very cool scene of seeing how possessed or taken over by the shadow monster that Will is, where he finally wakes up. And we see him not recognize who Bob is. And Dr. Owen starts asking him a bunch of questions where he goes, you know, do you know your full name? Do you know who I am? And Will kind of questions like a doctor. And he's like, have we met before? And he goes, I don't remember, which we know they've met multiple times over the past year because he's oh, the shit. one examining him. So that's that first cue of like, is this Will talking or is this the shadow monster talking? Because we've we've kind of talked about throughout this season of like 
is Will truly possessed in the sense where he's actually possessed by the monster and the monster's taking him over? Or is the monster speaking through Will? We don't really get a clear picture of what's happening, but in this interview, we kind of see, oh, the shadow monster's kind of almost eliminating Will's memory and speaking for him, which is why the um, monster doesn't remember all these I, things. I don't... I might have an idea on this. It just popped my head on this. Okay, um, let's hear it. I don't think it's maybe not removing, eliminating his memory, but more so if it has more of an influence, it's because the people he knows is Joyce and Mike. All right. Mm-hmm. When Will had his episode, the only two people he really was in contact with before. Um, the only people who was in contact with after the shadow monster came in was Joyce and Mike. Bob was there for a little bit, but wasn't much. Yeah. So it's a he... situation where it's like it's the actual it's the actual monster's knowledge, not Will's knowledge. Yeah, and, and it definitely takes him because to he didn't know Hopper. They, they ask him who Hopper is, and they ask him who Mike is, and with Mike, he he takes a minute to answer because he's definitely trying to think, and then he goes. That's my friend Mike, but it's it's almost like in the sense of the monster saying it's like it's a fact. He's like other will I think would say like he's my friend or something like that. But he goes, "That's my friend Mike." Like it was a very odd way the sentence was structured. That I think it was something else speaking for him. Yeah, and and the thing is like because because Mike was with Will the whole time that he had was with the Shadow Monster because of that interaction. Because he was literally he was by his side the whole time, so the monsters like recalling, oh, this guy is. It's like it's like having a collection of faces in like um in a lineup, like in a police uh police station. No, no, yeah. the people, the face he sees, like, oh, I recognize him. That's my friend. But like, it's in a kind of a third person kind of way. Yeah. No. Because then we get lines. You mentioned like he probably say, "Oh, he's my friend." But then we also get a line shortly after that, where where Will goes, "The soldiers hurt me. They shouldn't have done that. It upset him." And again, it's weird. It's almost as if is Will saying him as in the monster, or is it the monster saying him as in upset Will? And it's just the way he says things. It's like I think it's the shadow monster speaking for Will. It very yes, well and, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's they they do a good job of making you think of what's really going like, on here. Like you know, it's some sort of possession. You just don't know what kind. I'm curious what they're gonna do because, like, the first two seasons, especially, like, you know, he was missing in the first season, and then going with this in this season, and I'm not gonna spoil it, but like his further development later on is like the final seasons. They're gonna be like some big, like, I don't know, is he gonna be like some sort of like embodiment of the shadow monster and everything in the upside down like i'm really curious to see like where his story ends up yeah he he always seems to have some some sort of fucked up thing going on with him but the one thing i caught on to was like joyce is in pure horror of losing will because they're they tell joyce like your son is probably going to be gone and we get the set like season one, he was physically gone. Like, you know, he was mm-hmm. disappeared. They couldn't find him. And now they have him, but he's mentally gone. 
And it's just Joyce is just going through the ringer of just she's physically lost her kid. Now she might lose her kid in the sense where he might lose his entire sense of self. So he she won't have the same son anymore. He might just be a vegetable soon. Because that's fucked up. And obviously I won't say anything about season three or four, but it's just, you know, we have Will is a major character in the sense that he always has something going on that connects to the upside down in some way, shape, or form. But yeah. in terms of in terms of scene and acting, he never has much he doesn't have much role in the overall plot in terms of like interacting with all the characters. He's kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. Like that one, there's the meme of, you know, the, everyone with their, uh, their significant other. And he's just sitting in the corner wanting to play D and D. It's like, Oh man, don't do, don't write them like that. That's just sad. <laughs> but, uh, so after all of this, um, um, before, before we continue, yeah. hold on, before we continue, I had to mention props to Bob again. Because Bob's like, oh, this is, I signed up for this. Like, you warned me this is not a normal family. And this, this shit, he's like, he's now yes. deep in it. And I'm kind of happy that, like, Joyce kind of like, yeah, like, kind of explained it out finally. And he's like, all right, this is like being in a sci-fi movie or being a superhero. Yep. Like, he, he, he plays along with it. And I'm kind of curious as, like, how he's actually thinking. But overall, like, that he is... Like he has been very strong for that family because he is nice Samwise Gamgee. Damn it, he is the bravest, most yep. loyal friend you will ever have. <laughs> I was going to get to that next, actually. Sean yeah, Astin's just—I mean, he's just like he's just it's Sean Astin. Like that's just—I mean, he just makes it so much better. He—I don't think he could play any other character than just a really lovable person. Like I can never see him play some sort of sinister character because he's just too. I don't say pudgy, but he's just like that cute, like nice man. That's like you can never see him being mean. Teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he just he just has that look to him. But yeah, it, Samwise Gamgee comes in for the win in the show every time. But yeah, he didn't carry Elijah Wood on his shoulders to throw the ring into the fire for be you know <laughs> not respected. Yep. Fought off, fought off Gollum. All, all good things, but oh, I would love to have Elijah Wood come on the show for season five. Oh, could you imagine? That'd be great, Connor. For if you don't know, Elijah Wood played Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I do, do know, you know that. Elijah? God damn it! Like, okay, yes, yes, exactly. yes. We, we constantly rat on exactly. Connor because just, just to fill you in. He has no knowledge of names. I'm not good at with all. actors. I'm I'm really bad at putting names to actors. It's it's an issue. And like when they's like, oh you no, know, you know who this is? I'm like, uh, he looks familiar. I don't know his name. It's like you don't know who <laughs> this is. I'm like, uh, no. One of the like it's like now like in front of me. I'm like, okay. Well, Elijah would play a Frodo, so it would be a great great thing for him to bring him into season five but anyway before we go into lord of the rings tangent because i can talk all night about that we get will's kind of snapping back into his normal self or what we believe is his normal self and he starts telling mike like hey i think i know how to stop the monster and we get a scene where 
We have all the pictures that the government agents took. And Will is basically kind of looking at everything, trying to figure out where exactly I can send these guys to take down the shadow monster. And the one doctor is just being a dick. And Hopper, of course, being the great guy he is, just tells him to shut up and puts him in his place. And you see Dr. Owens and Hopper kind of forming a more tighter allegiance in this episode. Like throughout the start of the season, it's like they're kind of at odds, but you can tell they were trying to work together here. You definitely see them coming together and like, we got to help. Will. like, this is our last kind of shot to do something. And he points to this little kind of blob on the map. And he's like, it never lets me see the spot. So I think it's important. And it's just this big kind of almost like a, almost like a cave cavern type looking spot on this map. It's just a big open area. So some sketchy shit there. And that kind of wraps up the will story arc for this episode. Um, So we'll shift over to the Dustin and Steve team up, which is definitely one of the better parts of this episode as well. Um, We see, we start with Erica telling Lucas about Dustin's, constant red code red calls mm-hmm. and just Erica's just that shitty little sister that just constantly picks on Lucas and it's like yeah your fucking boyfriend kept calling code red code red and Lucas is like oh shit like something bad's going down and finally gets in touch with Dustin's like oh look who's finally fucking calling back I've been calling you all day <laughs> and you can definitely tell he's not but I don't know how much time has passed since then but we just see Steve and Dustin just big pails of meat and gasoline and <laughs> it cracks me up because we trashed on Nancy and Jonathan last season of just going to the store and just buying all these weapons and supplies to fight a monster. I, I can't even imagine what it would look like for just two random kids just buying a shit ton of steak and gasoline at a store and just walking out. But rural town in the middle of nowhere. It's probably normal for all we yeah, know. I, I, <laughs> it must be. They must have thought it was for some sort of fucked up barbecue. But um, but Lu- yeah, you hear Lucas on the radio going like, and, and Dustin's like, yeah, I'm with Steve Harrington. Luke's like, Steve Harrington? Like, what? And Lucas, because Lucas doesn't realize, like, everyone else is busy. Dustin had to kind of fend for himself and find someone else to help him. And Steve happened to be it. And so then we see Lucas going to tell Max and kind of officially roping her into the party. And saying, hey, I've got proof of what's going on. And we get another scene with Billy in this episode. A little quick scene, but he's just lifting weights, drinking beer, and smoking, you know, as any trashy high school guy does to, you know, yep. look cool. Answer the door, damn it. <laughs> and it's such can, a jerk. He's such an asshole because he literally has her answer the door. And then five seconds he's later, right he's, there. Like, he's been out there for two seconds. Huh. This isn't right. Let's go check on her. Like you could just open the door yourself, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and of course she uses the excuse of Mormons because, you know, who doesn't have a good Mormon problem? <laughs> I know back in the Kendall Park days, we used to have a whole neighborhood system. If we saw the the um the church people walking around the neighborhoods, we just text, you know, call her like, Hey, they're going around, don't answer the door. <laughs> Oh, what, they stopped coming to my house because, like, I would just, like, I'd see them walking up towards my door, and I would, like, put on, like, death metal or something, crank it up, and then be, like, 
they'd be oh, would you like to talk about Jesus? I'm like, I'd rather talk about Satan, and then they'd never come back. <laughs> <laughs> we we always, me and my brother had a fun time where we basically just ran around screaming, and I was like, I was trying to, you know, perform a fake exorcism on him, and just as much chaos as we could possibly make it look like. And I just opened the door. I'm like, I'm kind of busy here. And Joe, my brother's just running around screaming. And my mom goes, who's at the door? I'm like, Oh, it's the church people. She's like, you don't have to be that mean. I'm like, yes, we do. We got to stop this. (laughs) I heard someone one time. They're like, Oh, what's your address? How about I come to your house and talk to you? (laughs) Like, no, thank you. But this is where we definitely see. I'm very see... fortunate. I never had to deal with that in my life. Yeah. Well, because you lived in Bumblefuck South yeah. Brunswick. They didn't. They Somebody had no comes knocking on your that. door. You should be scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got more naked axe murders it's coming more, out of the If they're knocking on my. If they're knocking on my door, it's usually like, oh, a horse got out and we're looking for it. No, which has happened before. I believe it. I know. I lived on the corner of New Road and 27. So, like. I'd be sitting on my couch watching TV and never failed. I'd always like probably happen like good four or five times a year. People would slam into each other at the intersection there. Like, oh, uh, one. yeah. Oh, God. That was such a bad intersection, too. I don't know why uh, there was always an accident there. But we we then get a scene where we kind of, you know, Max just sneaks out. And we get a nice moment of Dustin and Steve bonding where they're just literally walking along the train tracks, just dropping a trail of meat behind them. And Steve's kind of giving him the girl talk, which I think was fucking adorable and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> Telling him about like, you know, the electricity and stuff. Yes. And Dustin is going straight to the scientific facts. And Steve's like, no, like sexual electricity. And Dustin's like, oh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I really like that scene because it broke up. Like you go from the dark, like, you know, Will and his situation to them just having a, you know, older brother, younger brother conversation kind of thing. Yeah. And this is what I was excited yeah, for. Walking too, the railroad tracks. Yeah. Yep. Cause like, cause season one, you get just a very douchey Steve Harrington and he's yeah. meant to kind of be the character you don't want to like. And then this season, you definitely see him come into the, you know, he doesn't have any friends anymore. He doesn't have a girlfriend. And he's almost adopted these kids as kind of like his new brothers and family. Because Dustin basically came up to him in the last episode was like, hey, I need your help. I need your car. Let's go. And they just instantly start bonding. But it, they are definitely the comic relief of the show at this point, with the exception of Murray. Yeah. But, and, and, and they're really a central character compared to them. Yes. And and we have that great conversation too of like Dustin asking him like, "What's your hair routine? Like, how do you get your hair? Like, maintain your hair?" And Steve ends up, you know, you can see on his face he doesn't want to say it, but he's like, "I'll tell him anyway." He's like, "Farrah Fawcett spray." And Dustin's like just ratting on him like, "You use Farrah Fawcett spray?" And Dustin's <laughs> like, "You ever tell anybody, I'll kill you." And like that's you got to use know, it when your hair's damp, not wet not damp. <laughs> But that was just like pure <laughs> older brother energy. Hey, it's like, as, it's like as, as an older as brother, it's like I, he is correct I've, on I've that. It has to be damp. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was it was adorable. It's just funny. I it's like I love that scene I, so much. 
And like I, I, I felt that scene because like as an older brother, you get to that point where you're just like you have your sibling ask you a question and you're just like ah, this is gonna be an embarrassing answer. It's like I can't just not say anything. All right, I'll tell him. But if you tell anybody, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> but <laughs> so then we we see Dustin, Steve, Lucas, and Max all meet up at the junkyard, and we see them kind of having a little banter between Lucas and Dustin kind of still arguing at this point of like, Hey, you, both of you fucked up. Like Dustin's mad at Lucas for bringing Max. Lucas is mad at Dustin for basically keeping a Demogorgon as a pet, which definitely is much more severe than bringing Max into the party. So Dustin's at fault, but they kind of make up. But again, you have Steve coming over the comic relief, like, Hey, dickheads. Like, why is this random girl? The only one helping out? What are you guys doing? And it's just like, Steve all of a sudden just becomes the boss of all of them. He's like, let's let's do this. And let's I, I be real. Him. Can you really be mad at Dustin? I mean, how can you be mad no, at he, him? He's such a sweetheart. And his heart he's was crazy right too. He thought he had a Pokemon as a pet, and it just turned out to be a man-killing monster. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely not uh, going to see that on Pokemon. Nope. But, uh... <laughs> But you see them kind of gathering stuff up, so it looks like they're kind of setting up the last defense line, which on a bus, I I, I guess it makes sense to go there, but it's just like you're trapping yourself into one spot. Yeah. And we know these monsters are fucking strong. I mean, really strong. So I, I don't know what they were planning as an end game here. But the whole end of the episode I thought was a really cool we got like a, almost like an 80 styles montage at the end of this episode, which, you know, it's pure 80s. 80s was known for their montages in their movies. And oh, you just yeah. see them all, you know, building up the defenses and the bunkering down the uh, the school bus. You see the shot of all the soldiers gearing up, which is a pure 80s action trope of just all of them gearing up to go in. And they're up entering the upside down. And you got the scientists, you know, getting up the map, and he's basically, you know, the man behind, man at the chair, kind of guiding the through. And that line is like, "I hope this kid was right." Mm -hmm. This is that classic line. He's like, "Hope he's right, because everything's fucked if he's not." If he's not, and I just love that scene. It's just a good '80s because we know how much the Duffer Brothers just took from '80s cinema and. I thought that was just kind of a classic way to I love how they like embrace like what you'd call like generic cliches, like the synthesizer yes. music. And like they read, like you see the posters, you hear like them listening to rock bands, you see like yep. the way they dress and the neon, like when they go to the mall in later seasons, like they really, you feel like you're in the eighties. It's not just like, Oh, it takes place in it, but it could realistically yep. be now. And, and even the music, they, they take some just, good 80s songs. I mean, even the beginning of the episode with Steve and Dustin, they had, you know, Hammer to Fall by Queen playing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think it was Round and Round playing when mm -hmm. Billy's working out. So yep. it's like you have these really good 80s rock songs going on, which I definitely love. And they they seem to have a song per season that just really sticks out. You know, season one, we had um, Should I Stay or Should I Go, which is a classic. Yeah kind of comes back a lot season four which is it's not a spoiler but connor's already seen it but the uh um what's on run down the hill or what's it called yeah, Kate Bush. yeah so like you have that song kind of come back as yeah, a Kate huge, Bush song, yeah kind of highlights that season 
I don't think we have a specific song for this season, but it's just like they had so many good 80s, yeah. you know, rock hits scattered throughout. Without spoiling it for anybody, Tommy, you'll know. Uh, the music with Eddie Munson, that one scene, uh, oh, that put yes. a smile on my face. Yep, Connor will definitely appreciate it. So, in another That's reason good- that I'm just excited for season four to come. I don't, I don't know who that is, so didn't spoil anything. <laughs> Connor, he... At, so, Zach Connor is a uh, big D and Deer, so I know Connor will come to love Eddie Munson's character. He is. Oh my god! You you will you will that, truly enjoy his character. Like that season made me want to get into D and D. I don't yeah. know anything about it. I'm like, I want to play this now. Yeah. Like, I want to sit in a basement, order dominoes. <laughs> like, I yeah, like I want to indulge in this experience now. This show it, really has me like interested. It, it's a lot of fun. We actually, during COVID, Connor organized a little D&D event that we, we did a little bit of D&D. So I got my toes wet with it. I didn't do much since then. But it is a lot of fun. And season four of Stranger Things definitely makes D&D look like a really fun game to play. So oh, yeah, may, maybe we will organize a D&D campaign sometime, Connor, where we will get all sorts of people to come play. I think it might have to be arranged. You heard uh, it from I'll Zach. It'll definitely be a. Uh... <laughs> it, it'll definitely be a down the road project, but I think it's it might be worthwhile. <laughs> yes. Maybe when it's we get to season four, work. that'll be we'll, we'll get there one day. That'll be the celebration for finishing season four. Is we'll have a mini D and D campaign. That's awesome. But yeah, um, season four, there was. I'm not. I'm going to be shot. very vague. I'm not going to mention names, but there was one character. They had a cliffhanger from the previous season. I'm like, oh. All right, so that's where they are. Can't get any worse. Oh, this yep. happened. Okay, this just got a lot worse. All right, it can't get any worse. Oh, it got it got ten times worse for this guy. Is he gonna get a break this season? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D and D comes into play big time season four, so I know Connor will definitely appreciate it. But uh, so getting back to the story here, as we wrap up the final scenes, we have a cool showdown where the soldiers are entering the upside down. And then we go to the party where Lucas is kind of up top on the bus with his binoculars on lookout. You get that kind of cool. Everybody's kind of hanging out. Steve's playing with his, you know, his lighter. Dustin's pacing back and forth, getting pissed off at Max because he, he's definitely, uh, we're getting a little bit of a jealous Dustin because Dustin and Lucas are definitely both into Max. And we see her leaning towards Lucas and not Dustin. So I think we're seeing more of a jealous Dustin at this point. So we had another little mini love triangle, but that one doesn't last very long. Stuff but, like uh, that. I'm, I really like they put that in. Cause even though these kids are facing the end of the world, they're still kids and they act like kids. Yep. And it's, yep. it's funny. We get another callback to where Steve was kind of giving him girl advice of like, Oh, just act like you don't care. So Dustin's yep. just being a complete, complete dick to her. And she's like, hey, good job. Really make it look like you don't care. And that's like, what are you talking about? Good job. About? <laughs> like, I'm actually mad. And he's like, I'm actually mad. Like, stop talking. He's being stupid. Steve's just laughing like, okay, okay. Because, like, he just fully is convinced that Dustin's just following his advice. <laughs> but um, so then we finally see one of the Demogorgons show up. Um, actually, before we get that, we, we get a little bit of background on Max's character. Um, filing in some of the gaps that Nick and Connor were kind of asking at the beginning of the season. 
Um, so we find out that she's a kid from divorce. We don't know what happened with the dad. We know the dad's still in the picture, but it looks like they kind of moved to get away from the dad. So who knows what the real story is behind that. But um, she kind of shows concern. Like she's like, Hey, I'm a sarcastic asshole all the time, but I don't want to turn into my stepbrother because when we moved here, he just became angry all the time. So we kind of see her open up to Lucas and become a little more emotionally vulnerable. And right as they start, that's when we get the Demogorgon kind of coming into the picture. And they see him out in the fog, and Max just goes, are you sure that's not a dog? Which I thought was great. It's like, why would they take to this extreme if it was just a dog? Like, For we're a not, dog, we're, yeah. We're not dealing with Cujo here. Like, we're dealing with a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're all kind I'm of just listening, guys. I just got plugged in my computer. Yeah. And so we're all just sitting there, like, they're watching and waiting and waiting. And they're like, why isn't he taking the bait? And Steve just has this asinine idea of, like, you know what? I'm going to add some human meat to the menu, and I'm going to go out and taunt them. Which <laughs> I was just like, that, it's, that's a some badass, huge go- it's a some badass huge move, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's just like, you got some balls on you to just be like, you know, I'm going to go out and challenge this Demogorgon to get him to take the bait. The and thing that's cool about, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go. I was going to say, like, yeah, you could argue, like, oh, that was a stupid decision. But it's like he's, what, 16? You know, he's trying to look cool in front of all these kids. So it, it makes sense in that aspect. And when you're holding that kind of a baseball bat, like, it's oh, hard yeah. to not feel like a real badass walking out there. You know, you got to get put it to use. Yeah, um, you're going to feel invincible with that. <laughs> but Lucas quickly sees, like, oh, there's more than one. And we finally get confirmation. It's not just Dart. We have much more Demogorgons than just the one. And we've kind of hinted at it. We never knew for sure. We've seen hints that there might be more than one Demogorgon. Now we have proof there's more than one. And they kind of corner him. And they're just screaming like, Steve, like, get the fuck out of there. And he doesn't even realize at first. But then the one charges at him. And he he's pretty smooth. I'll give him that. He dodges the one, smacks the other one pretty damn good, and gets into the bus just in time. But, I mean, we almost saw the death of Steve. Yeah. First time I saw it, I'm like, did he just, did he get, like, is he dead? Okay, he's alive. Woo! <laughs> I mean, he gets charged by both of them pretty much back to back. Like, there was, he quick dodged, and then the other one was right there, and he knocked it down. But one false move, and he would have been dead. Oh, yeah. But, um, so after that, we, we kind of see them kind of pinned down on the bus. The bus is getting beat to shit which goes to show their defenses were not even going to hold up very long against these things. Yeah. And they pulled a rookie fucking mistake. Like they didn't close the hatch on the roof. Thank you. I was thinking that I'm like, am I just nitpicking? Like, I'm thinking, close the hatch. No. And, and you know, it falls down on Lucas. The other thing too, I thought just... of. Yep. They were chilling up there. And like, I was thinking too, like, Oh, you have Demi Gorgas who can literally like, I guess eat through cinder block and dirt and like you think steel's gonna yeah. stop him? Granted, it, the only person that would have known that was oh. Steve and Dustin, and they still thought that these defenses were gonna hold them. So I, I'm not quite sure what their plan of attack was there. But 
again, Steve Steve pulls out the big bro move and knocks Max aside and basically goes to face the thing head on. So props to Steve for you know actually sticking up for the kids and kind of putting himself out there, but little reckless. He stood no chance. chance. Yeah. And just in time, of course, you know, as that cliche goes, you know, saved by the bell, they're saved by the hive mind, where they all kind of get called away and they're all kind of just standing there looking confused, like, like where did they go? Like, why they just up and leave? Like, they're about to kill us all. And we get back to the soldiers and we see Will kind of snap in and start crying. And he's like, I'm sorry he made me do it. And that's when you get that scene of like, oh, shit. This wasn't a plan from Will. This was a plan from the shadow monster. The shadow monster tricked everyone in sending all these agents into the pit. And they get taken down one by one. That was a great twist. Yeah, that was that. That's really what oh, it was makes you think going forward in the rest of the season. Because now it's like you don't know how. Like Will, I don't think he's in control at all. Even well, even when Will acts like Will, it's not Will. It's the Shadow Monster. So now it's like you can't trust him at all. And even Mike spots out. He just screams like, "Will's the spy! Will's the spy!" And just goes running, trying to warn them to get the hell out of there. But, and even Will go, tells Joyce, like, you should go now. They're almost here. Like, we don't know if that was Will warning Joyce or the Shadow Monster going like, eh, maybe I'll give you a chance to get out of here. You've been nice to me. <laughs> I kind of had to laugh being a Star Wars nerd because when Mike's running to the soldiers, it's a trap. All I could think yes. of is Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I, I will never stop thinking of that either. I will like, act trap. It's a trap. Every time I hear that, I'll, like casual conversation, I think that yep. you can't not. That That's definitely a great style of reference say, though, to throw with, in there. Cause... Um, when it comes to like how the Shadow Monster set it up, like, it was like a definite, like, kill zone too like where everybody was feed like all the demigorgons were feeding into like it was designed for yep. them to get you no know, like the better term fucked up like it was it was textbook. oh yeah and and, and even literally hopper, surrounding them on the all sides that, like, it's no. like these guys are dead but even hopper picks out like, too, the fact like, that like they... it actually has like intelligence yeah, it was. But the Hopper picks out. Yeah. He's like, "This is where I was wow. trapped earlier." Like the scene where he was stuck down there, and he sees all those bones scattered all over the place. He realizes, like, "Oh, this is the same spot that they're going to." It's like their breeding grounds, their den, where they bring mm-hmm. all their kill. Yeah. So Hopper and Mike kind of both are realizing at the same time, like, "This was a trap. We're fucked." And we end the scene with. Pretty much Hopper looking down into the pit and we see the Demogorgon come out and start roaring and that's where we end scene. And that was a perfect ending. Uh it, it's perfect cliffhanger because you just know like shit's about to go down. Like you just see the claw come up, boom, and then you hear it like, ooh, I want to watch the next one. <laughs> but so yeah, that that ends episode six. Definitely the uh the highlight so far of this season in my opinion but zach i don't know yeah. if you you got time to stick yeah, around i know you you were tight on time yeah i actually got to take off it's getting late i got to be up at two tomorrow 
Sounds good. So yeah, we'll we'll let you get off, and Connor and I will finish up the episode with the our usual ratings and whatnot. So Zach, it was great having you on. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. We really definitely cool. love to have you back. So let us know if you're if you have any episodes for season three or four that you would like to tag on for, and we'll definitely make that happen. Season four is going to be so fun. Definitely, when you guys get to that, I'd love to join in with that. <laughs> and I'll I'll, I'll let, let you know for we'll, his podcast. We'll line it well. up. Yep. Cool. Um, All right. Cool, guys. It was good having you. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Right. See ya. Um. Yeah. So overall, let's get to the uh, the ratings. And yeah, I wrote my rating down already. Um, fantastic okay. episode. Like a lot, a lot of build up. Yes. On like things finally. No, like all the little things starting to fire off, which is nice. Um, yep. And I, I gave it a 9.3. I thought, I thought it was fantastic. No, eight, like definitely an A episode. And I thought that, oh, like, like a lot of things were right, like cinematically and no, the tension, but also the, the gags and the laughs and like, it was a lot of it was a lot of cool different pacing in this and it every note hit right yep I, this was definitely my second favorite episode um my favorite episode is coming up but this was the perfect balance of just action comedy suspense horror it was just it had everything um but conveniently enough i think this was the first episode in the entire show where we do not have Eleven appear. So that was kind yep. of a little, and little fun fact. Next episode. Yep. But uh, I, I think I would give it a nine point four. It's, it's definitely wow, up you're there. You're actually higher than me on this one. Yeah, this, this was definitely the highlight of the season for me. I, I loved it. But yeah, I, I got nothing else to say other than just it was. Overall, solid episode. There really wasn't much they could have done differently to make it better. It just that's where it fell for me. It was, it was just great. Um, Nick did text me his rating. Uh, Nick is giving it a eight point six. So we do have that okay. as well. Um, I already plugged it in. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I will say this too, like because, like. Yeah, I feel like they did a lot of things right, but I feel like there could have been better payoffs in this. Like, um, like for example, when they were put the show in the docs back up, and I, I was I had it marked here uh, on my phone. Um, like I, I feel like the interactions with Will overall, and like just the the nature of like how things are playing out. I'm enjoying them as like, I'm not, but I feel like that there is something missing. And that's why I didn't get like a, the highest score I, I ever had, but like, there's something that like, I don't know. I, I could be me just you no know, picking hairs, but like, I don't know. There's something that I, that I felt like that was missing from this episode that we've seen compared to no, like, like compared to season one, like the, I'm, I'm tying this with, episode seven which was also my second highest episode so like isn't like i'm not giving it full regards but like it was nothing like no 
nothing like the season finale, which you rated the same hot, the same level as the season finale in episode one as this episode. Yeah. So I'm just like trying to you know quantitatively like comparing apples to oranges here. Um, yeah. And then we do have Mitchell's. We have Mitchell's score. He emailed us. So we have not seen it yet. Um, yep. Because of course, uh, Nick and Mitchell cannot be with us today. Um, um, I'm gonna say I'm giving Mitchell score. I'll give it an eight point nine six. I'm gonna give it a nine nine I feel like he was up there with you and me, okay. but I don't know. He he can be very critical sometimes, and so it's well, hard to tell. But I feel like this was definitely an episode he would have I, enjoyed. I don't. With the oh, exception yeah, he, of I the fact that it. I didn't, I can... Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> well, he's not here to defend himself, but yeah. Yes. Um, and I, uh, I think that with Mitchell's critiques, that like compared to I'm looking, I, I have the schools in front of me right now, like. I can definitely see it being very close to what we scored last time on the second, the lead up to the season finale. Yes. So I, I think, I definitely think he scored high. Uh, Nick also did give me his Mitchell rating as a 8.44. Ah. Wow. That's real high. Oh, 8.44. Okay. Now I thought, I don't know why I thought it was 9.44. I was like, I was like what? I'm playing prices right here. Yeah. So uh, do you want to do the honors and open up the email and let us know who was closest? Oh, uh, sure. Do you have, do you have access I, I to it? I hope we didn't put the other one in there. I have, the, I have the access to the email. Um, I hope we didn't put the other – because uh, a little behind no, the curtain he here, we are – He sent uh, them separately. Uh, that's the logo. Hmm. I He said he sent the email to – our Jersey Nurse email? I believe so. Oh, no, he must have sent it I to I don't mine. see it in here. Hang on. Oh, yeah. So, Tommy's All a right. liar. I am a liar. So, the rating he gave was the 8.66. It's a little oh, lower Tommy, than Tommy. That means Nick won that one. Damn. Yeah, that was uh, Nick, uh, Nick. Nick had that one. Um, so 8.66, you said? Yep. Well, I will definitely let Nick. I'm kind of surprised by I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked by that one because the fact that he didn't rate it as much higher than the previous episode, which he did discuss. Like he did really did like that episode. Um, and this episode definitely, I thought thought he would be. Yeah. This had a lot more to bang. So I'm actually really curious when he comes back for episode, uh, cause Spoiler, me and Tommy doing the other episode, Mono a Mono. So, and that will be an interesting one. Um, oh, so yes. we have a little bit to catch up on episode eight. Um, and I kind of, I kind of want to hear his thoughts on why he didn't score higher. So, all so right. Mitchell, um, and with that, that's everything. Been... We have questions and we expect <laughs> answers. Um, so uh, with that, now uh, I want to thank again uh, uh, Zach Wiley to for coming on for being our first guest, uh, and then overall, I was we'll see you guys for next week, which will be uh, 
episode 16, The Sisters. Is that correct on that one? The Sisters? Uh, Lost Sister or something like that. Um, It's a forgettable title for a forgettable episode. (laughs) Oh, wow. I don't think it's forget it. We'll get into that. All right. We'll get into um, that. Let's follow us on socials. Stranger Nerds on Instagram and on uh, X. Yes, I know it's Twitter. I still believe it's Twitter, but uh, hopefully we get Blue Sky soon. Um, and that's what for Time of Grant. This is Connor Vanamark, and have a good one. Have a good night.